Looking around church tonight, I think I can safely say that the majority of you here have already received the sacrament of confirmation. Maybe we have a few that are preparing in the next year or two years or three years or maybe 13 years, right? Getting ready, sleeping in dad's arms, getting ready for the sacrament of confirmation. But the majority of us here have already received this sacrament. And I wanted to share with you the experience that I personally had when I received the sacrament of confirmation many years ago. I remember the church was packed. We had the Knights of Columbus, you know, the guys that look like pirates with the swords, and I thought that was the, that was the coolest part of confirmation as they showed up. And then we had the bishop and the servers, and just everyone was there, parents, extended family. And I had been told that this is the moment, this is the sacrament when you receive this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, this Holy Spirit that we all receive at baptism, we receive this new outpouring, this strengthening of that grace of baptism. And it's so life-changing that we only receive it once. We only get confirmed once in our lifetime because there's this seal, this imprint on our soul that lasts for all eternity. And I remember as I was walking up to the bishop, and he laid his hand on my head, and with his thumb, he anointed my forehead with the chrism. And he said those words, be sealed with the Holy Spirit. I felt nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. A whole year, even more than a year, everyone's been telling me all about this confirmation, this sacrament, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the strengthening of the gift of baptism. And I got up there in a big old whopping nothing. I didn't feel a thing. Now, I don't know if any of you in this church have had that experience during your confirmation. You know, if we're brutally honest... The sacrament of confirmation is probably one of the most confusing, or seems like, one of the most confusing and most disappointing sacraments. It sounds almost scandalous to say it, but come on, let's face it, it's true. I mean, baptism, you see the baby there, their original sin is washed away, they're able to receive the sacraments to become a member of the particular church, to become a member of Christ's body. It's a huge deal. They get godparents, and the whole thing, it's the whole beginning of their life. Marriage. Who here can say that nothing changed between before marriage and after marriage? It's a big deal. Me and my priesthood, there's a definite before holy orders when I became a priest and after. How many of you, weighed down by sin at some moment in your life, have walked into the confessional, unloaded that sin before the priest and asked Jesus for his forgiveness and walked out with this feeling of, I can't explain that, but man, it feels so awesome confirmation no feeling and it can be confusing those of you who have just been confirmed think of the times that you or those of you who have been confirmed for a number of years think of those times that you asked your parents or your teachers about confirmation 
You're like scratching your head like, okay, so what do I get with confirmation? What happens with confirmation? It's like, oh, you receive the Holy Spirit. Ah, okay. I'm like, all right, and, and what's that going to do and change in my life? Um, well, you get these gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and, um, and, you know, have you done your homework yet? You should go do your homework. That's usually how the confirmation, you know, class or the converse, confirmation conversation goes. And whether we're adults, whether we're teenagers, we usually all end with, okay, let's pretend I know what this is. And in the end, we reduce it to graduating from religion class and I become this adult in the faith. Whatever. Not only is it confusing, it can also be disappointing. For what I just said earlier, it's like, I don't feel any change. <laughs> what, did com- what did confirmation do for me? Tonight, I want to take you to our first reading, to that moment when the apostles were confirmed, that moment when the apostles received the Holy Spirit. And let's look at what our first reading said in the Acts of the Apostles when Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes down upon them. And it says the following, When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. A strong wind, tongues, flaming tongues come down on them. They receive this courage. They go out into the streets. They're able to speak in tongues, in languages that, you know, bunches of people can understand. They don't even know how they're doing it. Peter, that day if we read on, converts 3,000 people. Huh? What's up with that? The Holy Spirit, look what it does for the disciples, the apostles. In it, I'm supposed to believe that in confirmation I receive the same Holy Spirit and I feel nothing. I think the first thing that we need to consider is that the Holy Spirit gives gifts in order for us to fulfill our mission. What was the mission of the apostles? Well, the apostles at that moment, they had to spread the news about Jesus' resurrection. They had to go out. They didn't have time to learn all these different languages. The Holy Spirit supplied the gifts, particular gifts, for those particular men to fulfill their mission in life. We have to believe the Holy Spirit will also give us the gifts we need to fulfill our particular mission in life. But that being said, we can still scratch our heads and go, but their lives were so changed. When I got confirmed, mine didn't. 
or at least I didn't feel like it did. That poem or that hymn that Chase read after the second reading, it wasn't a poem that he wrote in high school and he came up and recited it. No, this is actually a hymn that dates back to the 13th century or later. And in this hymn, there's an interesting phrase which I think unlocks our problem of this evening. And it mentions the Holy Spirit as the guest of the soul. The guest of the soul. How does a guest come to our home? How does a guest share a meal with us? How does a guest get to know us? How do we get to know a guest? How does a guest then become family, and how does that person then begin to actually affect and become a part of our lives and maybe even change our lives? How does that all begin? The guest needs to be invited. It's interesting that this hymn, this ancient hymn that Christians have been praying with mentions the Holy Spirit as a guest. The image brings with it the necessity of invitation. So how do the disciples invite this guest, and what can I learn from the disciples? They obviously must have in some way invited him in, him in and hence the transformation in their lives. The first thing, three things we can learn from them. The first, they believed. Second, they listened. Third, they took a step. First, they believed. We easily forget that these disciples, after Jesus ascended into heaven, they spent 10 days waiting for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus didn't give them a time. Jesus didn't give them a day. He gave them this vague command, go back to Jerusalem and I will send you the Holy Spirit. I will send you this counselor. Go back, have faith. Believe that the Holy Spirit will come. And you know what? They went back and they did. I have to ask myself, the first thing I have to ask myself, do I truly believe? Do I believe? in the Holy Spirit? Do I believe that He can do the same things in me that He did in the apostles? How many of us can honestly raise our hand and say, I do. I have that relationship with the Holy Spirit. I believe with all my heart and soul that He will come. He has come and He can transform my life. If we're honest, probably not. And yet the Holy Spirit's essential. The second thing, they listened. They listened. Why was it important to listen? And it was in our, sec- in our gospel today. In our gospel today, Jesus says the following.
I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. When he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. What's the Holy Spirit going to do? Speak. Speak. Declare. He talks. Jesus told us, he told his disciples, the Holy Spirit is going to speak. The Holy Spirit's job is to speak, therefore my job is to listen. But if I'm either constantly speaking or I'm constantly filling my ears with noise, distraction, music, games, entertainment, my own selfish thoughts, distractions, constantly going, work, the to-do list, the other thing, when on earth am I ever going to hear Him speak? And the Holy Spirit, He is not going to bulldoze His way into my life. He needs us to listen in order for him to speak. And the third and last thing is they took a step. How did the disciples know that they could speak all these different languages? When did they find out? When they left the upper room and began to preach. When they left the upper room and began to preach, then they realized that all those people out there could understand them in their own language. That's when the gift came. That's when they saw the gift. That's when the amazing miracle that the Holy Spirit worked happened. But they had to take the first step. How many times do I get an inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And I feel that He's moving me to do something. And yet I stand there and I go, okay, come on, let me know. Give me a sign. Let it all clear out. Make it easy for me. Pave the path. And then I'll take a step. The Holy Spirit always waits for us to take that step of faith. And so today on Pentecost, if I find that my relationship with the Holy Spirit is kind of, eh, I invite you to invite Him into your lives. And we do that in three ways. The three ways that the disciples invited Him into their lives. They believed, they listened, and they took a step. Believe, listen, and don't be afraid to take a step.